All right, guys, welcome back. This is Afrobeat Woman, the podcast. And today I have two very special guests in the building, one by the name of Jamel Henderson and David Mbehi. So let's get started. Kindly introduce yourself, guys. I will start with Jamel since David has been on the program before. All right, thank you so much. Uh, and I want to say to all who are watching, good afternoon and happy Thursday. I hope you all are safe and well. Um, my name is Jamel Henderson. I am a proud resident of Brooklyn, New York. I live in NYCHA Public Housing. I'm 34 years old, and I am a proud four-time graduate of the City University of New York, receiving degrees from the Borough of Manhattan Community College, Brooklyn College, uh, Baruch, as well as the Graduate Center. And as of yesterday, I started my journey into the inaugural Doctor of Education program at the College of Staten Island, where, you know, if all goes well, I'll be class of 2023, receiving my fifth CUNY degree and being one of the very few to achieve all four levels of degrees from one university. Um, outside of that, I am a community organizer through CUNY Rising Alliance, as well as the co-chair of the New York City chapter for Citizen Action of New York, as well as the chairperson for Neighborhood Advisory Board Number Eight, and I am also an adjunct professor at Brooklyn College. Glad to be here with all of you. Nice. Thank you so much for joining us, and David. Um, I'm David Mbehi, a serial entrepreneur, a master's in global business student, and a Pan African. And it's a pleasure for me to be here to share about. Uh, a topic that's been bugging us for a very long time. Yes. Great. Thank you so much for being here, both of you. So right off the bat, um, what are your feelings with basically the world going off about, you know, standing in solidarity with the Black community in the U.S.? Jamal. Um. I think the answer is very simple. I think it's a beautiful day to be Black in the world. Uh, it's a beautiful day to know that millions more are paying attention. And I think this unfortunate pandemic really gave a lot of people time to see and hear the experiences of what we go through that normally would not have paid attention to if this pandemic would have occurred. And so people are yearning for change and change is happening. It is happening at a record pace that surpasses the progressivism tactics and, and strategies that the civil rights movement has done. And this is only what, day 16, day 17? You know, imagine when we get to day 50, day 100. You know, imagine when we surpassed the Montgomery bus boycott, which was over 369 days. Uh -huh. You know, so I, I'm just excited and I'm glad that everyone is speaking their truths within our communities that are seeing empowerment, but I'm also happy that people are speaking their truths within the realms and the communities of those who do not want to see us succeed. Despite everything that's going on, you're seeing people being fired left and right by speaking their truth. You're seeing people leave industries and corporate positions 
because they are speaking their truth. And I think it's wonderful that filtration is happening because as President Obama had said, we're the change that we've been looking for. We're the change that we seek and change is inevitable. So we're in a time period while we're in the midst of this unfortunate pandemic that the world is transforming in the progressive direction that it's supposed to happen. And I'm very excited to see what's going to happen next. Okay. And David? Uh, well, for me, it's very simple. Um, you've had this uh, quite recently that racism is not new. It's just been televised. It's just been shown. So this is a rare opportunity for all of us to come in uh, in our respective fields, in our different um, endeavors, and push this kind of uh, talk which needs to culminate in changes being undertaken, both in the criminal justice system and in the political class that uh, needs to change uh, the systemic uh, racism that's being perpetuated towards black people mm -hmm. that's persisted for a very long time. The criminal justice system is uh, criminalizing the social needs of the black people. This is 2020, that shouldn't be happening. When Frederick uh, Douglass uh, freed himself as a slave, that was a criminal act. When Martin Luther fought for um, the end of uh, racial segregation, that to the power class in America was a criminal act. Mm -hmm. So the question should be at what point did this system change from that to being one that's responsible, one that's responsive to the needs of all the members of the society, be it white, black, uh, uh, or any other uh, group for that matter. So we need to come in, we need to push this agenda, we need to talk. And my hope is that real solutions are going to be brought. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see a different kind of America and in effect a different kind of world. Okay. All right. Uh, Jamel, I would just like to uh, ask you this off of your experience and, you know, what you, you, you might have seen growing up or seen in movies specific, specifically in entertainment. Um, I don't, you know, want to categorize you or you, David, in any type of way because I really don't know you guys well but I do know the work that you're doing and it's not you know something that is easy to do um, I understand your positions because possibly we have possibly li lived certain you know experiences and can speak to them irrespective of statistics that are brought up about our communities so I wanted to ask Jamel, in your opinion, what is it, because I've also heard arguments in that, you know, as much as the there is police brutality and systemic racism, within our communities, there's Black-on-Black -black crime. And I just wanted to know what can, what positively, because we're, this is not a bashing moment, positively, what can you speak towards your ongoing fight against that in terms of pushing the nail forward 
rather than just speaking to what we already know with the different, you know, systemic racism issues that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, that is a very phenomenal question and the answer is very simple. It's all about action and what that action looks like is policy and petitioning. It's, it's very simple, right? We currently are putting the pressure, which is needed. Mm -hmm. That pressure is helping the movement to get the things done. Mm -hmm. However, that pressure has to be applied with petitions and policies to support it. So best case scenario, we just witnessed that through consistent days of pressure and really forcing our elected officials, which is quite sad and disappointing because mm -hmm. we voted them in to represent us and therefore speak on our behalf and do the job on our behalf. Mm -hmm. The mere fact that we have to put pressure for them to implement policies. Mm -hmm. There were thousands of petitions out there of combined voices wanting to see change. We have to continue to put that same type of pressure in our communities. Okay. Okay. And this is through knowledge. You have to understand our communities were not, um, you know, intentionally designed to see it thrive the same way our white counterparts were. There is tons of the history that intentionally talks about it, okay. you know, and we have to show that even in spite of those things, we have to call it out. Mm -hmm. We have to support and vote in people who are not a part of the machine style of politics, who are not a part of that establishment style where they're only focused on power instead of people. Everyday people like you and I should be running for office because we know what is on the ground. But again, things like that can't happen until we have new progressive election laws. So everything that I'm sharing with you because it revolves around election reform, education reform, housing reform, healthcare reform, like all of these different reforms that we need aggressively. And it can't happen until we elect the right people and really push to pass policies that we as everyday individuals can create ourselves. Mm -hmm. Our communities can get together and create policy and present it to our elected officials to have them pass. A lot of people don't know that, but it's the truth. You can do that. Mm -hmm. And so we have to continue to do that. But between the petitioning and the, and the policies, we've got to continue to put pressure. So that would be my strongest recommendation for everyone, as well as highlighting stories of people that look like you and I that come from our communities and are representing our communities and are still in our communities to show the world that in spite of the situations you put us in, we are thriving. We have been conditioned to be modest about our accomplishments. Those days are no longer. I make it clear that while I live in NYCHA, I have four college degrees. I ran for city office. I am a professor. I am a coach. I am an organizer, all while living in public housing. Hmm. So despite all of the things, we have to be bold enough to share our stories because our stories is reflective of thousands of people that may want to share, but they don't have the words or the power to share it. And if we don't empower them, then this movement can't become stronger. So we have to highlight the heroes that are actually doing the work outside of the, the A-list, B-list, C-list celebrities. There are real heroes that are doing the job and we need to recognize them. So that would be my suggestion. Okay. And David? Um, as an entrepreneur, my view leans on the economic um, side. 
I feel like there's a real need to empower uh, black people. And in respect to this society, we see them being blocked out uh, from economic op- opportunities, mainly through um, uh, in a- lack of access to education, uh, lack of access to mortgage opportunities, um, lack of access to credit, and this prevents them from competing on an equal basis with their white counterparts. So they, they, there needs to be serious um, reforms and solutions and policies and laws that deliberately try to uplift. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad Jamal has talked about some of them that aims to uplift uh, the black people because all this wealth you see in America was created at the back of black people. Uh, slavery, even though it happened in the South, it was being funded by people from the North, from across the state. And they were complicit in it. So we need to provide economic opportunities uh, for, for the black people. And that can be done from the highest level, but even we at the bottom, sorry to say, we can support black businesses. We can buy from uh, black stores, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we can invest in black companies Mm -hmm. and uh, by doing so we'll be proactive and we'll start that momentum which uh, would continue and uh, hopefully create uh, a different kind of society for black people. And okay. If I may mm-hmm. quickly add to that, because what you said is phenomenal, and, and that ties into the education in understanding Black entrepreneurship. First and foremost, I'm for anything Black, period. So I, I don't need to break it down. Like, if you're Black, whatever it is Black, period, I'm in full support. And, and you know how powerful that is? Even the ones that still don't see the big picture. I'm still in support of them because I'm fighting for their right to disagree. They don't even realize that, you know? So I just wanted to put that, paint that context. But I think also education through entrepreneurship is so important because I had to learn it for myself where, you know, when you go to black businesses, like I live in Brooklyn. So black businesses in Brooklyn are thrive there everywhere. Yeah. But when you go in our certain communities, in our communities, you know, the prices are rather expensive. Yeah. And sometimes we, we ask ourselves, many of us ask ourselves, well, dang, well, why can't they compete with prices like H&M and all of these places? Education to learn behind the policy. And this is why I say everything revolves around politics. The manufacturing companies play a vital role in how they pay, they charge, you know, retailers to distribute certain clothes. So depending on the fabric, depending on the amount and all of those things. So there may be some, let's say there's one manufacturing company that will work with black business retailers. That means a hundred of them are probably going to this one person who's charging a ridiculous amount of money to get those shirts made. Whereas big box businesses have dominated the manufacturing uh, and, and squeezed the life out of it where every black businesses cannot get the same access of opportunities. So we can't be upset that, you know, a shirt in a urban in, in a black owned store is seventy dollars, 
-hmm. when the manufacturing setup behind it is causing that. Mm -hmm. So again, it goes behind policy to make it done. And mm -hmm. so these, we, gotta, we have to expose all of these things. So it's your job as an entrepreneur to teach fellow entrepreneurs the real struggles behind what's going on because a lot of people do not know. And that's where the education comes in. And just uh, to add on to that, uh, when you look at how political parties are funded, there's a lot of lobbying where interests come first, not voters. So you find the likes of David Koch pumping millions of dollars into parties, sometimes uh, both parties uh, on either end of the spectrum. Then once these politicians get elected into power, they pass uh, tax cuts, tax breaks, uh, it was interesting to learn that uh, some of the biggest uh, Fortune 500 companies in America don't pay corporate tax. So this, uh, coupled up with economies of scale, makes them able to produce in large quantities, which pushes the prices down. Mm -hmm. And in such kind of a model, you really can't compete with them. Mm -hmm. Zara, H&M would sell a pair of sneakers at $40, you as a black entrepreneur mm -hmm. can really uh, not do the same mm -hmm. because here you're looking at the overheads, you're looking at the production costs, possibly shipping costs if you've uh, taken your production offshore. Mm -hmm. So we, we really, and I like how Jamal put it, everything revolves around politics. This particular problem is an economic mm -hmm. uh, problem you might look at it from the business lens, mm -hmm. but it all goes back to politics. Mm -hmm. And that's where we need to go and uh, create, push for uh, solutions. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that brings me to my second point of policing in America. Uh, and knowing the history, general history of policing in America, basically policing in America is to protect property and business and ownership. Uh, so basically what we ha see happening is the policing in America be for a certain group of people and not for a certain group of people. So basically economics, education, and politics definitely tie in together in the policing. And it's an unfortunate issue that the Black community takes the brunt of building this country and essentially all the wealth that we, you know, enjoy and then not being able to see that forward, push forward and, you know, with what's going on. So with what you're doing, what are tangible steps that you can give? Because I know, David, you're an entrepreneur and Jamel, you're an educator. What are tangible steps that somebody watching today, knowing the history, knowing what we need to do, what are tangible steps somebody can take today, in your opinion, and trying to move the needle forward? Because that's essentially the point of this podcast and um, broadcast today. So first and foremost, the answers is right in front of our faces. We have the most powerful tools we need right now. We have social media. You can't be afraid to share what you've experienced. You can't be afraid to share your story. We have been so conditioned from generations past that when things go on, we've been taught to be discreet about it or to blow it under the river and not expose it. This is the time to share. 
This is the time where um, the United States of America is paying attention. This is the time where the world is paying attention. And we have to be unapologetic in sharing the experiences while being Black. We have to share it. The world needs to hear it. And while it may be painful for you, it will get better because you will turn that pain into power because you want to inspire others to do the same. So that would be the first thing. Mm-hmm. Second thing, education. I, as an educator, I tell people there's books you need to read. There's dozens of books. You can go on your local, you can go on Facebook. I'm sure there are plenty of, of black leaders that are sharing books for those who want to get started. As a matter of fact, Google, uh, CNN just did an article today mm-hmm. about the top now, Barnes and Nobles and Amazon, the top like best-selling books that are being sold right now is focused on issues of race and blackness. So all you have to do is just Google books on, work, on race and there's tons that we can, that you can do and read. And not only read it, but understand it and then share that back out into the world on what you've experienced. We want it, the world needs to hear. Can I get a list from you as an educator? Uh, I can share. Sure. I will work on something for you guys. Okay. Thank you. Um, And then you go back out into the world and you share that and you challenge others. How has your mind has been changed since reading it? What steps are you going to take? So that's how you continue to pay it forward. So those are the two things immediately that you can do. The third thing, there are plenty of petitions that are out there. If you want to sign one, if you don't keep it simple, you can sign one or you can create one. Put it out there. Let your voices be heard. The next one, there are tons of of rallies and protests out there. I encourage you, of course, to be safe. There are tons of guidelines and support if you want to be out there on the front lines. But even if you're out there and you have something to say, because most of these protests and rallies is just energy. Use your voice, grab a megaphone and share what you're feeling. Get that audience to be riled up to take action because that's how you're going to continue to get things done. We cannot let this be a 90-day hashtag trend. This is the grandest opportunity we're we're going to get. And we cannot let this die down. It has to be in everything that what you're sharing in your experience. So if you're an educator, if you're a med, you know, if you're out there in the medical industry, you're on the front lines, if you're an entrepreneur, if you are a student, if you are anything that is a profession that is helping to move this country forward and you are and you are and you identify and recognize yourself as black, you need to share it. There is zero excuse that the world should not be paying attention. And most importantly, have integrity. And I know that's the scariest part, especially in this time. But you got to understand your worth, Black people. You have to understand your worth. Why waste your time giving yourself, uh, giving your time and your talent to a company that still doesn't get it in 2020? You know, this is the time where you got to make bold decisions, you know, and people have to be accountable for their actions. You have to call out your elected officials. You have to call out those community leaders. You have to call out those celebrities that you pay attention to, that you follow, you tweet, you read, you listen, that you vibe with. We, we don't want to see PSAs of, of celebrities crying. We don't want to see people, celebrities sharing, oh, I'm doing this. No, action. They have access to the best lawyers, the best people that they can write policy and present it to someone like, Auntie Maxine Waters in California and then put it on the house floor. That's real action. You know, 
putting their money where their mouth is and paying attention to how much people donate because that also lets you know how much they care for you, you know? And so those are the things we got to do. We got to call people out. We got to educate. We got to empower and we have to be consistent about it. Yes, it gets tiring, but think about how many generations that look like you and me have been just as tired. We owe it to them. We owe it to them. Simple as that. Before, you know, the end of this, actually, yes, when this ends, I'm going to need an action plan politically and I'm going to need a list of books so that I can put for the audience to, to see and start doing in their communities. Thank you so much for that. David, what are your thoughts? What are the uh, next well, action plans? Well, we have to go back to our history because uh, failing to learn about our history is think about a doctor who's trying to cure a patient without examining uh, the, the, the historical um, problems, medical problems the patient has been facing, it's bound to fail. And if we go back to our history, we'll see that social media, as Jamal said, has been rightly, rightfully used in other parts of the world to push for change, to put, push for better governance, like uh, in Africa during the Arab Spring, you know, because it's the only tool which really don't have a control over. We can share, we can communicate, we can engage, we can plan, we can mobilize without their control. Most other things they control. And secondly, individually, we should uh, look at our implicit biases, our racial prejudices, and put a stop to that. Because truth is, no study proves the existence of race. And we see how time and again, um, at the very heart of racism or racist ideology, those at the very top try to um, organize society into hierarchies uh, of people with uh, unequal um, resources, unequal uh, opportunities. And they propagate this idea through uh, the machinery. You know, they have the power, they have the resources, but we individually need to put a stop to it. It's not true that whites are superior. It's not true that blacks are lazy. It's not true that Indians are good at math. These are just subjective traits that are used to promote the idea of racism and which works well for them because um, think about it, when they organize society into the elites, the working class, the peasants, who benefits? Definitely not the peasants, definitely not the working class. Mm -hmm. Yeah, In this, uh, if you look at it from a, a company's perspective, um, the person who makes the most profit is the shareholders not the employees or the other stakeholders of the company. And this works as well in, in the political uh, uh, model in this country and in other countries in the world. So we need to put a, an end to this. We need to, to stop and we need to view ourselves as equal. We need to have a, an egalitarian society where people can dream and achieve without, uh, 
without unequal um, opportunities. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast, Afrobeat Woman. And I just want to say, I would like for you guys to continue to do what you're doing and teaching. Also from you, David, I'm going to need a list of action plans, possibly four to five on what we can start to do in our respective communities. And also, thank you for sharing your voices and you know, not being afraid to be heard in regards to what you've learned through experiences still. I know it must have been tough. Man, I wouldn't want to know what it would be like to, you know, be a Black man growing up in New York City, but I'm a Black woman and I want to say, I, you know, go through the same things as much as possible where I can. I always try to lift, uplift the, you know, Black boy child in the community and as much as possible, you know, um, but Let's stick together. Let's help each other grow with what we're learning, what we have learned through experience. And uh, it's bigger, better moving forward, you know, from now on, honestly speaking. You know, we, we, we have to be there for each other. So thank you so much for joining me on this. Can I add one more last point? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'd just like to speak to anyone, young, old, white, black, who would have the rare opportunity to listen to this, uh, that the golden, uh, the golden rule works well for us here. Do unto others as, as you would like them to do unto you. Let them not pretend not to know why blacks are on the streets. We are on the streets because we are pushing our, our voices. We are pushing our agendas because we need changes. And you see action produces results. Yeah. But now it's time to stay consistent in the action. We got to keep hitting the streets. Like I tell people, it's day 16 of the new beginning. Mm -hmm. So it can't stop. So okay. keep hitting those streets. Keep pounding the pavement. Keep making noise. Keep standing on those lines when you're voting. Keep taking pictures. Call it out. Put it out there. Let the world be overwhelmed by the real Black experience until we get all the changes that we need. I don't care if it's as small as someone, you know, they clutch their purse, record it. I don't care. Let them see that these are not myths. These are real things that are happening. You know, I shared today on my social media, the mere fact that, you know, uh, a year ago, uh, a, a, a white mentor that I had literally was frustrated at the fact that I was persistent in wanting to pursue my doctorate. This was a year ago. And here I am today in the first class of a new program at the College of Staten Island. So mm -hmm. that's a message to let you know that don't when when they say you can't do it, you just tell them to hold your beer. Simple as that. Keep fighting. The victory is close. Amen. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining me. Till next time. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining me on the Afrobeat Women podcast. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We'll be in touch. All right. Bye-bye.